Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Some churches have like the sanctuary and the donut table and coffee and stuff right back there. And while the pastor is preaching, you are free to get up and go freshen up your coffee. Let me just tell y'all, you can't do that here. (laughs) Because, listen, Satan will use that donut to keep you from hearing the word of God. Man, you sitting there eating that donut, the pastor's preaching his heart out, and just that very word, that one seed that the Holy Spirit wants to deposit into your heart and deposit into your spirit that's going to make a difference in your life, you are caught up in your donut. You missed it. You eating that donut, mmm, mmm. I should give me another one of them. <laughs> you drink, mmm, mmm, mmm. Meanwhile, the word of God, and you missing it. So we don't encourage that because of that reason. Not only that, that's a spiritual reason, but here's a practical reason. Look, you spill coffee, you got donuts smashed into the carpet, smashed into the chair. We need a full-time carpet clean, cherry cleaning guy on staff just to clean up after you people. So we, 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 we really discourage that. Everything that is law, listen, is not legal. And you don't accuse of being legalist just because there's some structure or some order in place. If y'all understand, wave at me. If you understand, wait, there's just some order in place. So then the question remains, then what really is legalism? Because people throw that word around a lot. Oh, that's just legalistic. Oh, that's legalistic. Well, hey, brother, you can't do that. That's bad for your spirit. That's, that's, that's against God's word. Oh, legalist. Man, that, that's not good for you, man. That's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt your life. That's going to hurt your family. That's, gonna, that's not good for, you, for your spirit. Oh, legalist. What is legalism? Well, here, here's a good definition for legalism. Legalism, listen, I even have it on the screen for you. Legalism, matter of fact, would you read it with me? I want you to get it. Read it with me has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made, I can't hear you, man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. Read it again and read it like you mean it. Legalism at its core has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. Listen, don't make the mistake to think that anything that is law is legal. It isn't legalism to tell someone what the Word of God expressly teaches. It is not legalism to say you can't do this thing in church and remain in ministry. It is legalism to say if you don't wear a suit to church, you are not saved. It is legalism to tell someone if you aren't baptized, you aren't saved. 
It is legalism to tell someone if they smoke, they are not saved. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Don't get Pastor Rodney twisted. I'm not advocating smoking. I don't think people should smoke. I think it's just bad for you. Why would someone, a Christian, want to smoke? Unless they just want to get to heaven and see Jesus before most of us. I'm not advocating smoking, but let's not get it confused. If a person smokes, it doesn't really mean that they're not saved. You're adding to the grace of God. It is legalism when God's word doesn't speak to something and you impose your law on people and tell them this is required if you're going to be saved. We got to understand something. God loves us with no strings attached. Can you say amen? Can you say amen better than that? God loves you with no strings attached. Jesus loves us because he chose to. Not of anything that we've done, not of anything that we didn't do. You can't win his love. You can't wear the right clothes. You can't act the right way. You can't give the right amount of money, use the right spiritual language. You don't have to get better before you come to Christ. You just come as you are. Can you clap your hands for the Lord? Can you clap your hands? You ought to be happy about that. You ought to be happy about that. God could have told you, get your life together and then come to me. Most of us would not be a Christian today if that be the case. Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help me. I couldn't help me. You can't help you. If your life is in a mess today, well, you, you cannot help yourself. That's why you're still in a mess today. If you could help yourself, you'd already helped yourself. So that's why you need to come to Jesus just as you are. And once you give him your heart, once you give him your life, then he'll give you his spirit to empower you, to give you victory over that area of sin and problem in your life. Do you agree? Don't get that messed up. You come as you are. So chapter 14 now brings us to 14 years later in Paul's ministry. Now, listen, we don't know whether this is 14 years after going to Cilicia or is it 14 years after conversion, which will be then a total of 17 years at three years he spent in Arabia. People argue about that. Over this first one in chapter two, books are written over this 14 years. The reality is, listen, saints, Rodney, what do you think? Here's what I think. I don't care. That's deep. You came to church to learn that. I don't care. It really doesn't matter. What Paul is saying, the idea here is that years went by. And Paul says, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Did you get this? And he went with who else? Titus. You got it. Now understand something. Barnabas is a Jew and his name means son of encouragement. Titus is a Gentile. Both of these men are saved. Both of these men are filled with the spirit. Both of these men are being used in a mighty way. And I believe, listen, stay with me. I believe, here's what I submit, that Paul strategically chose to go with a Jew and a Gentile. I think this is a strategic move on Paul's part. Because he's bringing Barnabas, who is a son of encouragement. Remember, he's going up to Jerusalem to have this meeting that who knows how this meeting's going to go. Things could get heated. And he needs Barnabas there in case 
Because Paul had a temper. Paul, Paul, might get, Paul might get mad and hit you. So Paul needed Barnabas there to calm him down. He was a son of encouragement. Barnabas, they probably got heated over this stuff. I mean, put yourself in the Bible. Put yourself in the situation. They got heated over this is a big issue. This is a big issue. And Barnabas would say, look, everybody, let's just calm down. My name is Barnabas. I'm the son of encouragement. I'm encouraging you all. Bring it down. And Titus he brought along. Now, everybody knew, all of them knew Titus, and they knew that Titus was a Gentile. Titus was sold out for the Lord. There was no question about his ministry. There was no question about his, you know, uh, service to the Lord. There was no question about his salvation. Titus was a, a, a believer, a Gentile believer. So Paul uses Titus as exhibit A, that you can be saved and not be circumcised. Titus is exhibit A. And in case there was any questions, Paul would say, listen, Titus is a Gentile and he's not he's not circumcised. Go ahead, show him, Titus. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Whoa! Was that too much information? Uh, I bet you'll never forget this sermon, will you? (laughs) Titus was exhibit A. That you can be a Christian and not be circumcised. So Paul, in verses 2, two through 4, Paul says, I, <laughs> Sorry. I went up by revelation and I communicated the gospel privately to those lest I run in vain. Now remember, Paul said he received the gospel. Get this. Listen, he received the gospel by revelation from God and not by men. So it'd be very easy for Paul to say, listen, I'm right and you all are wrong. Remember he said earlier in chapter one, if anyone comes preaching any other gospel than what I'm telling you, they're wrong. We already talked about that. It would be easy for Paul to say, listen, I'm right, and I can't wait to get in your face, but he didn't do that. He knew that being right didn't give him, watch this, the privilege to be rude. Christian, being right does not give you the privilege to be rude. In other words, Paul didn't want to cause any unnecessary conflict because the Holy Spirit is into unity. And at the same time, Paul wasn't willing to sacrifice truth for unity. Unfortunately, we live in a church, an age in which people, Christian people, are willing to sacrifice truth for unity. 9-11, horrible. I'm a Red Cross chaplain. I speak with the utmost sensitivity. I'm a Red Cross chaplain. 9-11 happened. I was in New York City, sleeping in a hotel for seven days, working every day at Pier 94. Pier 94 is where everyone went who needed assistance of any kind whatsoever, ever. Whether it was spiritual or practical or they needed attorneys, whatever they needed, they would find it at Pier 94. And I spent a good amount of time there. And I spent time ministering to people and, and just helping those who, who were grieving. And, it did, and, 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 and during that time of 9-11, did you guys notice this? In the newspapers and on news stations, everybody came together. Christians and Buddhists and Muslims. And it was almost as if, please, I'm saying this with all sensitivity. Please stay with me. It seemed like everybody was praying to the same God. 
It seemed like everybody was just calling out to the same God. Listen, Paul says here in the text that we should never forsake the truth for unity. Christians, we don't have that luxury. We can never. Paul is standing to do battle and he says, I will give in to them, not even for one hour. Verse five, you can't you can't give in to that. We can never sacrifice truth for unity. For, you know, we're all standing around hugging and singing. We are the world. It's a popular song. I actually like the song, but it was kind of new agey and weird. We can't sacrifice truth for unity. Christians, we have truth. It's called the Bible. Now, it's either true or not true. And if we have the truth of the word of God, then we must stand on that. Now, listen, I'm not talking about putting down other denominations. I'm not saying we shouldn't work with other churches to advance the kingdom. I mean, you look at the Harvest Crusade we had here last year. It was awesome. We worked with more than 250 churches working together. And some of those churches had different views on certain things that I would call non-essentials. You know, some churches are, you know, pre-tribulationists, mid-tribulationists, post-tribulationists. We here at Calvary Chapel, we are pre, listen, in case you don't know, we are pre-tribulationist. That means that we believe that before the, the, the seven years of tribulation that comes on the earth, Jesus Christ will rapture in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the church off of the earth, and the seven years of tribulation will begin on the earth. That's the pre-tribulation view. That's what we believe here at Calvary Chapel. Is that all right? Okay. And then you have people who, who, who take up what we call mid-tribulationists or tribbers. You got pre-tribbers, post-tribbers or mid-tribbers and post-tribbers. Mid-tribbers believe that right in the middle, three and a half year mark of the tribulation, God will rapture the church. And then you have post-tribbers who believe that God will rapture the church post-tribulation after the seven years tribulation. And then there are pan-tribbers and they just simply believe it'll all pan out in the end. So don't worry about it. We are pre-tribulationists here. We believe that the church will be raptured pre-tribulation. But listen, that's a non-essential when you think about it. Whatever you believe, it doesn't matter whether you're pre, mid, post, pan. It doesn't matter what you believe. Jesus is going to come and take his people out of this earth when he gets ready. And he's going to do that. I'll wait while you clap. I'll wait. He's going to do that when he gets ready. You you can't stop him and you can't hurry him up. So it's a non-essential. Well, uh, the gifts of the spirit, you know, whether you believe in speaking in tongues in a sanctuary or not, or is it a gift of tongues? Have they ceased? Have they not? What are the gifts of the spirit? All of these things are non-essentials. And for that, with other brothers and sisters who disagree, we can certainly fellowship with them. What we cannot compromise on and we cannot forsake is the essentials of the Christian faith. Are you with me? Say amen. You cannot. What are the essentials? What are the essentials? Simply here, the virgin birth, that's essential. And I don't have time to tell you why, but it's very essential. The fact that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, that's essential. Not 50-50, not 80-20, not 75-25, not 85-15, 60-40. Break it up any way you want. Jesus was 100% 
100% man and 100% God. Say it with me. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. That is essential. And if you don't believe that, you're not saved. That's an essential. What's an essential? Well, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus is the only, underscore, only name by which we can be saved. Unless you're born again, you can't be saved. That, that we are saved by grace and not by law. You see, these are all essentials. And if you believe these things, then you are a brother. Paul stood against them and said, we are saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And if we depart from these essential saints, listen, then we as Christians, we, can, we cannot put up with people who depart from that, not even for one second. The theme of this book is freedom in Christ, brought to you by G-R-A-C-E, grace. You got it. God's riches at, somebody, Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's why I title all of these sermons, Grace-Filled Freedom. So if someone tries to tell you that baptism isn't essential, or someone tries to tell you that mass, keeping the mass will save you, or any other ritual, that is legalism. I mean, you think about it, baptism. You think about the thief on the cross. He's hanging there next to Jesus. He didn't have time for ritual. Jesus, he, he, he looked over at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you get to paradise. That man was saved that day. He didn't know the sinner's prayer. He didn't know the four spiritual laws. He didn't get baptized. Jesus didn't say, I tell you what, I need to see some ritual here. You know, Jesus and him hanging there. Man says, Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, well, you know what? I need to see some ritual. I want you to get down off that cross, go get baptized, come back, get back up here, and then you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, today. Jesus didn't say, have you had your first Holy Communion? Jesus didn't say, have you joined the church? Somebody say amen. Jesus didn't say, have you walked down the aisle? Jesus didn't say, have you tithed yet? Y'all know. Jesus didn't say any of these things. This guy hanging on the cross was unable to perform any ritual. This thief had nothing on his application for heaven. And an hour before, he was cursing Jesus with the other guy. But Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. He was saved. And that's why Paul is clear when he says, with the heart, man believes unto salvation. With the heart. Verse 6, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to some men. No, man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, Paul says, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised, that would be the Jew, was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the Jewish people also worked effectively in me to the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, 
they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they should be circumcised. And they desired only, here you go, that we should remember the poor. And Paul says, I plan to do that anyway. The very thing which I also was eager to do. So saints, stop right there. We wrap it up here. Those who seem to be something, Paul says, it doesn't matter to me. God doesn't show favoritism to any man. And listen, Paul, he wasn't being disrespectful. He was actually simply just making a point that we are all on the same plane, that God loves you as much as he loves Billy Graham. Are you listening? That God loves you as much as he loves Greg Laurie. God loves you as much as he loves me. Yeah, 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 yeah. God loves you as much as he loves me. God shows favoritism to no man. And Paul says, if you want to know of my authority, then go ask the leaders in Jerusalem, James, Cephas, and John. And when they saw the grace of God that was given to me, they gave us, did you get this? The right hand of fellowship. This, my people, was important. Now today, when we give the right hand, you walk up to somebody, you shake their hand, you, hey, how are you? Good, good to meet you. Hey, how are you? Give them the right hand. In those days, giving the right hand of fellowship, that was important. In these days, it doesn't mean as much. Matter of fact, I don't even know how to shake hands anymore. I mean, really, people, they, 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 do y'all know that it changes like every other week? It's like first you walk up to somebody, you know, it used to be like shake hands. Now it's like, yo, what's up, dog? Have you, you ever say, I mean, I got, I got young folks around me all the time, y'all. I keep up with this kind of stuff. It's like, what's up? Dog? Yeah, man, what's up? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. You got to do something like that. Or, you know, now you, you, you shake and you got to touch elbows and hip thighs and do the robot. And, you know, it's like, and then, you know, or high five, you got to go high, then down low. One little girl, she taught me. You know, you do high five. She said, Pastor Rodney, give me five on the black hand side. <laughs> And then she goes, it's a true story. Then she goes, she puts her hand out like this here. She goes, in my hole. And you got to take your finger and go like that. In my hole. You know we got soul. <laughs> I'm like, who knows anymore? How, how to greet one another? I just say, let's just say, hello. How are you? But it, in Paul's day, given the right hand of fellowship, saints, this was a big deal because what they were doing, listen, if you're taking notes, you write this down. They recognized Paul had been trusted with the gospel. So they were receiving Paul's ministry, Paul's ministry to the Gentiles and Peter's ministry to the Jew. They were preaching the same message and experiencing the same results and people were being saved and their lives were being changed. And they said, Paul, when you're going out, Paul, give me your attention. Paul, don't care how big your ministry gets, how famous you become. Paul, don't forget about the poor. Jesus said, the poor will be with you. How long? Always. Paul, don't forget about the poor. We cannot, no matter how big we get as a church, no matter how important you may think you are, the reality is, are you listening? You're not doing the ministry unless you're remembering the poor. Because that's what Jesus did when he was in heaven. I'm coming in for a landing. When he was in heaven, he looked down and he saw poor people. 
like you and like me who were without hope. And he came down and gave his life and died for poor people. Paul, we receive your ministry. Paul, we're no longer afraid of you. Because at one point, Paul was a persecutor. And now he's a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, say praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. Paul, don't forget about the poor. God's going to use you. They were giving him the right hand of fellowship. Paul, remember the poor. And that's what we do here. And that's, by the way, my brothers, my sisters, that's what I do in India. I remember the poor. There are people who cannot give us anything. But through this church, we've been a blessing to many, many, many people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.